How's it going today, guys? We're back here live in the studio once again in another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I am your host, Thomas Pemlin. Today is Monday, May 6, 2019. I am joined once again by Brett Baker. Brett, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? We got a big one today. You also have some big news coming, so keep an eye out for that. Other than that, we have some playoff basketball to talk per usual middle of the playoffs, so we got to get to that. We have some headlines right here. Me and Thomas are going to open it up with our top five players in the playoffs. And it's been a playoffs dominated by star players. I mean, truly. And I think that as far as my top five goes, since I'm we're on a little bit of a time press, I'm going to go ahead and just say my top five. Is that all right with you? Yeah, it's cool with me. So at five, I have Nikola Jokic. I think that he's been playing great. I think that he's my five just simply because the Nuggets' style of offense is a little bit different. Uh, It doesn't really rely too much on a star. And I think that having him as their facilitator and a big man that can get 10 rebounds a game is huge for them in the playoffs. He's my five. He's going to round it out. Number four is going to be, you might not like this one, but you might feel like he should be higher. But I think number four is gonna for me is going to be Damian Lillard. Uh, Dame has played fantastic, don't get me wrong. But I also think that, you know, he's had to play fantastic. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that he's up in the top five right now. I think that losing Nurkic was huge for them. And I think that he's really taken the position as a leader. Now, I didn't say MVP. We're talking about the best the best five players in the NBA playoffs right now. And I said that uh, I think that he's extremely important to his team. Don't get that twisted. But he's my number four. Number three, this is where I feel like we're going to go way off the tracks for sure. All right. Let's hear uh, it. I might actually do a little switcheroo and put Dame at three and Kyrie at four for kind of similar reasons. Uh but I'm just going to stick with it. Kyrie's at three because he is a leader of a young team. I think that even though they got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, don't think it was as deep as an Eastern Conference by any means last year. And I think that Kyrie's really bringing them together. And I hate to leave Giannis out because Giannis has one of those like LeBron James type uh, curses of, you know, when he performs up to his standard, it's not good enough. Because we're yeah, so I actually used don't to have Giannis in mind either. Yes, like because you. we're so used to him balling out like that, and it's just kind of like it is what it is. But also his team's so good too. You know, I feel like he's kind of Middleton's had the yeah, hot hand the last sure. couple. You know, whoever's got the hot hand, yeah. Giannis will gladly defer to him. My number two. This is where it's getting weird for me. I have Kevin Durant at number two. He's played great. He's averaging like thirty six points per game in the playoffs. But at the same time, it's easier for him to get open looks. A lot of the times he was getting, you know. The only time in which he struggled was with the Clippers when they were sending him a bunch of different packages on defense. They were sending him a bunch of different, you know, rotations. And he Mm -hmm. even talked about that. He answered it perfectly. He's a dominant scorer, probably one of the best scorers, the best scorer that basketball's ever seen. And I think that he's up there for sure. And uh, I think that he's my number two just for the fact that his team is so absolutely loaded. My number one... You're going to hate this one, I feel like, but I'm going to go with Kawhi Leonard. I think that even though he had some turnovers in uh, Game 3, he's tied it up. He's really, if you compare Kevin Durant versus Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard has Kyle Lowry. Kevin Durant has Steph Curry. Kawhi Leonard has Danny Green. Kevin Durant has Klay Thompson. It just is, it's incomparable. I think that uh, Kawhi has definitely been playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think that his efficiency has been the main reason that he gets that edge for me because he's 13 for 20 last night on 39. He had the game-winning three, yeah, game-sealing three. I think that he's my number one player. Go ahead and rattle off your number five. I'm going to go eat a little sandwich while you do this too, so take your time. All right, so for my top five, after we're done with the top five, got to have a little... But... All right, so at number five, 
Um, I actually had to put Damian Lillard at number five, unfortunately. You know, I wanted to put him higher up there, but I mean, he was, he's been unreal throughout the playoffs, but I just feel like he kind of has disappeared lately in this series. I mean, it's tough to do this, honestly, top five players. You got to take into effect how they're playing now, how they played throughout the playoffs, you know? So it's definitely a difficult thing to do, but at number five, I actually have Damian Lillard. I feel like that. I mean, what he's done throughout this playoffs is crazy. I actually don't have Kyrie in my top five either. So that's something interesting for you right there. But, I mean, at number five, I got to go Dame Dalla. I mean, he's hit the buzzer beaters. He's hit the big shots for his team, gotten him here to this next round. But the last two, I feel like he's kind of run out of gas, you know, really after he had that big game in game uh, game one against the Nuggets. He had a big game even though they lost. But ever since then, it feels like he's run out of gas. But also, I feel like him and CJ have done a better job of, of um, trusting their other guys. CJ has actually played a lot better than Dame these last couple. Number four, I have James Harden. I don't think he's played great, but I think he's played a lot better in this uh, Golden State series since getting poked in the eye. He shot the ball so much more efficient, efficiently. I mean, look, he had his lowest of lows against he's, the Jazz, but I feel like he's locked in. I mean, he's about. I think he's about to help his team make it 2-2 after for tonight. For me, he's a lot like Giannis because he's so good that mm-hmm. even if he performs up to his standard, it's not good enough, you know, for us. Yeah. But, like, he's still played great. Don't get me wrong. Giannis and James Harden have played fantastic in the playoffs. It's just I was expecting a little bit more in terms of, you know, putting them in this specific ranking. Yeah, so at number three, I mean, we're just basing this. See, I'm basing all this based off of just pure performance-based. Based on uh, number three, I absolutely have to go with Kawhi Leonard. I mean, the numbers and the field goal percentage have been off the charts and everything he's doing. We'll debate here in a second actually about Kawhi Leonard, though. I mean, but what he is doing as an individual, I mean, it's undeniable the way he's been playing. I mean, I'm st- there's arguments he could be the best player so far in these playoffs, but based off pure achievement level and how he's been playing as a player himself, I have to put Kawhi at number three number two I mean I got Kevin Durant I mean like you said he's got a 50 point game in these playoffs he's been absolutely balling out I mean Kevin Durant's been completely unstoppable he had what 46 last game against Houston even though they lost I mean I feel like KD's doing everything he can and more you know he's 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 reminded us all quickly why he's the best player why they call him easy money sniper it's because every shot's easy for him but at number one actually BJ Tucker (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no. Number one, I actually have the Joker. Now, you I and a lot you of other would go. people you might be way. like, wow, the Joker at number one. Look, here's some stats for you right here about the Joker. The Joker is second in assists right now in the playoffs. He's averaging um, – a total for the playoffs right now, he is currently averaging over 20 points per game. He's basically averaging a triple-double in the playoffs right now, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, he's averaging, I guess, he's uh, 0.7 assists below the triple-double right now for himself in the playoffs. But, I mean, what the Joker is doing right now is unreal. Four overtime game does boost it a little bit. What did you say? The four-overtime game does boost it a little bit. However, yeah, I mean, he plays 65 minutes, so good on him. But the way I look at it is this Nuggets team, I mean, we even I thought they might be done in that first round at one point in time, even though I said I thought they'd get to the Western Conference Finals, which I'm standing by again. But, I mean, there for a while, it really looked like the Spurs had them. I mean, they had won a, they had won a game in, in San Antonio since, like, 2012. So, I mean, to write them off, I mean, you can't blame me there for writing them off. But, I mean, joke, the Joker, he's on this young Denver team. This is the youngest team in the playoffs. He's doing everything for them. He's the distributor. I mean, the passes he was making last night in that game were absolutely crazy. That one where he dropped dropped it just like right at the play where I heard his knee when he just dropped it over the top to Gary Harris. I was like, how the hell did he even make that pass? To be honest, we have to start considering him as possibly the best big man passing that we've ever seen. Absolutely. He's better than Tim Duncan at passing the ball. I think think Joker – I mean, Joker's going to probably average triple-double next year. I mean, he's been so dominant in these playoffs that he's come up big for him in the big games. I mean, 37 points in the game one victory. You go look at the San Antonio series. I mean, the last game, he only has 21 points. But, I mean, even in the game they lose at San Antonio, he scores 43, is 12 and 9. I mean, if you look at him in all these games pretty much, he's getting a triple-double or damn near close to it. You know, the Joker, his offensive outputs have been great, but he's gotten better game to game, and I think he's played well in the big games this is what you want to see out of a guy like him I mean we didn't see him play in college you look at him I mean you look at him and he just looks average like he honestly looks kind of a little like overweight almost you look at I mean he looks like I I love that he said that uh he's not overweight he's in shape that he likes to play with a little bit of extra weight so he doesn't get pushed around I think that I mean this is a guy that has dominated all season I think that it just has been a matter of time until we saw him in the playoffs uh you know 
be himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's done a great yeah. job at it. And he's definitely the leader of that team, like unspoken leader. I think that mm-hmm. he's not very vocal, but like he's definitely the unspoken leader. I think that his ability to fil- facilitate has kept the Nuggets, you know, in that two seed all throughout the regular season. And now they're keeping them alive in the playoffs. And I think that as far as MVPs go, because we did talk about, I did try to talk about that variation between MVP and best player. And Mm -hmm. I think that he might be the MVP of the playoffs in terms of uh, what he means to his team. Oh, 100%. I mean, the the splits with and without him on the floor are crazy. I mean, his per in the in the regular season was, you know, he wasn't even at he would have been averaging 26. I mean, that's to I mean he's not even playing like the exact minutes that you that you would expect most star players to play based off per ratings right there. So I mean, Joker though has gotten better. I feel like it elevated his game in the playoffs. He is the un like you said, he's the unspoken leader. He's the leader of this Nuggets team and he's what makes them so good and helps them play so well. I mean, we saw last night they take him off the floor for defense because his knees hurt. He's right back in there for offense. So I hope that injury he had last night was nothing serious because, I mean, if he can do this, he'll take them to the Western Conference Finals. But what I wanted to debate here for you with you was Kawhi Leonard. I mean, do you think Kawhi is taking his game to the next level? And do you think that he's, you know, like all that, like really a top five player in this league? I do believe so. I think that I've talked about it countless times with you. This man is going against a top notch defensive matchup I mean this is a tough one I mean you can't deny the length and the defensive prowess of these players on the 76ers team it's something that's difficult for a shooting guard small forward and I think that having Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler on him at all times even I mean he had eight turnovers and that's a testament to how good of a defensive performance they throughout in game three and I think that his ability to stay efficient is absolutely crazy I think having a 13 for 20 game I think that as far as any large scoring output that he's had in this whole entire series and playoffs he's been shooting well above 50 percent and I think that that is key for somebody that's going to take his level or his game to the next level and I think that Kawhi has done just that I think he's proved the doubters wrong and now all he has to do is win Look, I agree with you that Kawhi Leonard is a great player in and of himself. Like, I mean, Kawhi, I still think he's one of those, you know, he's the he's a tier one player. You know, you can have different tiers of players. Kawhi, by far, is tier one player. I mean, I think that he's – I just don't think he's done anything better. I mean, the Raptors were already a great team without him. They won 58 games last year, 59 this year. Um, they went 17-5 and five without him. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great player, but the Raptors are a good team too. I mean, this team obviously is, is known for choking in the playoffs. Kawhi's kind of taking him, you know, to he's he's kept him in it. I mean, he's done what he can with the game. Like <laughs> yesterday's game was low scoring, you know, not a like Philadelphia. They want to run score a lot of points. That game was played on Kawhi Leonard, you know, his style of play, how he wanted the game to be played. So it was a different kind of game and it was one that they could win. But my argument against Kawhi is the assists aren't there. He averaged 3.3 assists per game in the regular season. I mean, in the playoffs, he's only averaging – let me see. He's averaging 0.1 more at 3.4. So my main I mean, argument I, against Kawhi is, I mean, he's a great individual player, but he's not making the team better. Like, you look at Giannis. Giannis is not – you know, Giannis really hadn't balled out in these games, but the rest of his team is going off picking it up. If Kawhi doesn't do it, no one else can. You know, it's either Kawhi has to score 40 for them to win or else they're not winning the game. See, that's my argument it's Kawhi's like you even you watch these other star players like Jokic Joker's not scoring 40 points he's scoring his 20 21 points but he's making every single player around him better and I think that's what you have to do in order to be one of those top five players even on nights where James Harden doesn't play as well you know he's passing the ball around and getting 12 13 assists and Eric Gordon and Chris Paul are both scoring 30 and Capella's got 25 you know well my big argument to that is all right so your two best players on the floor minus Kawhi Leonard in all reality should be in terms of uh you know facilitating you know who you want to hit on an off-ball screen for a three your two big ones should be Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam Siakam was two for ten and 0 for four from three-point line Kyle Lowry was six for 13 two for six from the three-point line and the game before that he was two for ten if you have players surrounding you you don't know what his assist numbers would be you know if this is a team that should hit shots around him, and they're not doing it in a lot of situations. I mean, Kyle Lowry has struggled mightily. He's averaged only about 10 points a game in the playoffs, which is not good for your all-star. I mean, 
it's your all-star point guard you should expect a little bit more and at the same time they didn't bring him in here to facilitate they have Kyle Lowry to do that and the fact that in his best games he's had five assists or somewhere around that is enough for him because he's let's face it I mean he's going to bring the defensive intensity up for one thing and he's a great defensive player and I he's also he's not there to assist like he's there to score and I think that it it doesn't get talked about enough like with Kevin Durant he doesn't I mean this man Kevin Durant doesn't need to pass the ball as much as he like nobody ever talks about Kevin Durant's facilitating. I think, but that, he still averages five point nine assists per game. That's a that's almost three more yeah. assists per game well, than. I think than, the key thing is Kawhi needs to win, and he needs uh, a little bit more help. I'd say uh, nothing like crazy, but I say that he does definitely needs some a little bit more help in terms of players making shots off his passes. See, I just don't even think that's it, though. I mean, they averaged 114 points per game in the regular season. They're averaging 102 per game in the playoffs. I mean, I just think it's just the same old Raptors. You know, they're just the playoff Raptors. In the regular season, they can get the one seed. They can get two seed. You know, they can look like world beaters in the regular season. You throw Kyle Lowry and just the – it's just the Raptors as a team. You know, it's just one – you know, it's it's kind of like the Braves, for example. Those, those Braves teams, they would get to the playoffs every – we made it, what, like 14 years in a row? Couldn't do anything in the playoffs. Kept getting bounced first round after, I think, like 90 when they lost the Yankees in the World Series. It's just one of the, you know, it's just one of those mental blocks, I feel like, for Toronto. And I think that Lau, I mean, if Leonard was a little bit better distributor, I think it'd be easier. But these teams seem to just be letting Kawhi get his, you know, it feels like almost Philadelphia and all these teams' game plan is let Kawhi shoot the ball, let him get his points, and we could probably beat them. I mean, Philadelphia was in that game till the very last shot. Yeah. You know, yesterday, realistically, they only, Philadelphia's really only played bad in game ones in these but playoffs. But I did think it was impressive that he willed them to that win. And, before absolutely. We before we continue on, me and Thomas are absolutely horrible about this. We've gone about 15 minutes on our top five players. We're going to move forward. We're definitely going to keep this Kawhi Leonard discussion at the top of our um, discussion board going into future podcasts because I think it's a big one, especially with the playoffs mm-hmm. playing out how they are. So I think that we'll move forward. We'll go to uh, Thomas's little Houston headline that he loves to talk about. And the question is, can Houston make it a 2-2 series tie? I think they can. I really do. I think that they get better and better as the series progresses because they are understanding that they can beat the Golden State Warriors down low. They can they can beat them. And I saw that in this game, this last game in which they won, I think that Houston really started to try to pick it pick of them inside and I think it opened up a lot of opportunities outside for them and I think that James Harden's ability to get to the paint a little bit more uh, he had one at the end of the first half as at the end of the first half that really showed me that James Harden was kind of changing his game for the Warriors I think being able to beat them inside is huge and also being able to beat them on the boards is absolutely huge and if they do that I think they can tie it up um, I once again, I mean, I agree with I, I kind of this is something I can agree with Brett on is Houston is Houston uh, evening the series up against Golden State. And that's me speaking unbiasedly. I mean, Houston absolutely, like you said, crushed them on the boards. They fixed that offensive rebounding thing. There was 18 offensive rebounds in game two, only seven in this one. Um, they had 67 rebounds to 48. So, I mean, they crushed them on the glass. I mean, both teams are shooting about the same from three from field goals, you know, free throws all that. All those stats are going to be about the Shout same. Shout out. P.J. Tucker. Yeah, shout out. I mean, P.J. Tucker was getting after it last game. I felt like every single rebound, he was jumping in. You know, P.J. Tucker brings the grittiness. Like they always say, he's a guy, I mean, he played in the G League. He had 12 Morris rebounds had, in that uh, game, seven points. He, you know, he's he's tough. He's fierce. Like, P.J. Tucker. Who was it in the Houston organization that was like, P.J. Tucker was not going to let us lose game three. I love that quote. Probably the best quote of the week. I should have saved it for the end. But P.J. Tucker role player of the week yeah he's definitely a, hey, but I mean PJ Tucker's my favorite role player in sports in general I mean like he could care less PJ Tucker could score zero points and he could score 20 points and he's gonna have the exact same impact on the team he's out there to play defense and rebound and that's what th- you know like that's what gets his like motor going and the thing about it too is there's guys like Zaza or Verizhao who play defense off flopping and dirty plays hey, PJ shout out Verizhao the <laughs> wild thing hey no for real no hold on P.J. Tucker, as a little hint for anybody that's listening, P.J. Tucker has inspired me and Thomas recently. So you guys shall see how that inspiration takes a little bit of a 
little bit of a aspiration and and an inspiring performance by PJ Tucker, the role player of the week. And I do think that Houston can make it two two. But any but yeah, no, absolutely. I want to see. By the way, you're freezing up there. I didn't mean to cut you off. But Chris Paul, I think, has to play better. I mean, I feel like the in these games. I mean, he we haven't really seen him since Game Four against Utah. Score over 20 points. He's. I mean, he shot it decent from the field, but he's not really been forcing a shot. But I felt like at the end of that game, I thought Houston was about to blow it for a second. I was like, "What are you doing, Chris Paul?" It felt like at the end of the game he wanted to shoot it, but in overtime, Harden got the ball and took over. And you know, that's been everybody's big thing, man, against Harden is he can't take over and win a game in overtime and or even in general in the playoffs at the end of the game, he can't take over and win. And that's exactly what he did in that game. I mean, Chris Paul has not been playing like the usual Chris hey. Paul, but I think it's time for James Harden to take over. And Chris Paul has been kind of keeping Steph Curry under wraps a little bit. I mean, he's been doing a good mm-hmm. job of getting under his skin, I think. And also, that was the greatest moment for me in the playoffs, watching Steph Curry get jammed by the bottom <laughs> of the rim on a dunk <laughs> attempt in crunch time. My God, what was that yeah watching him get rim blocked right there yeah that was that was pretty funny but no I definitely want to see better play from Chris Paul I just feel like that I feel like he's running his mouth too much like if we had podcast after game two I would have chewed Chris Paul out for about 30 minutes I mean all he did was just run his mouth I felt like he was not he, he played stupid he missed a big I mean the Rockets could have tied it you know I really don't like unbiasedly I really think Houston can tie this series up I mean they lost by six and three in Golden State and they kind of got screwed by the refs and you have Harden get poked in the eye and miss time in that second in that second game. So I mean, realistically, you gotta think Houston can win this game. I mean, Chris Paul was six for fourteen in that game, two for seven from the field. He had four turnovers, which is very un Chris Paul like. So I mean, I think if Chris Paul can play a better game at home tonight, the Rockets can win big and keep a big lead like they had in game. I mean, they were up pretty much double digits most of that game, most of game uh three. Probably no, I definitely think they're going to win this game. I think I would even go first. I think I would even go with the spread for uh, the Rockets right now. I think that they are. Uh, I think that they are set to win this game and tie it up. Really, truly. And yeah, it's at a PK right now, so pretty much just pick your winner. And for the sake of time, we're going to move on to our final headline for the day. That is going to be from my least favorite player in sports at the moment, Bryce <laughs> Harper, the big signing for the Philadelphia Phillies. The, what was it, 10-year, $330 million contract? Well, it's not working out so far. He's Bryce Harper is hitting 233 on the year with a 374 on base percentage. Those are both, you know, not career numbers for him. Uh, he's actually dipped down on on-base percentage over the past three years. He's also dipped out on the batting average every year since... You know, 2015, he's been dropping down into the 240, 250 range with the exception of 2017. And listen, I think that Bryce Harper is a hype pickup. I think that he does get, he is going to get at some of his numbers. He still has six home runs and 21 RBIs, but is he worth the money? Absolutely not. We have somebody like Ronald Acuna, who the Braves have locked up for eight years, 100 million. Even Ozzy Albies is playing better than this man right now. And yes, he has time to pick it up. And yes, he might pick it up a little bit. But this is a guy that bat 247 last year and now is batting 233 about a quarter of the way through the season. And I think that I don't think it's a good contract. I don't think that he was worth the money. I think that he is a good player. I agree. 100% a good player don't get me wrong but well you know what his problem is Brad is he's fifth in the MLB right now in strikeouts he's already struck out 43 times I mean that's way too many times that yes. has been a problem with Bryce Harper in the past I mean like we both said even when he got the contract like it's it's more so one of those contracts you make because you have to you know or because you need to like the, the Phillies clearly saw what the Braves did last year and how much young talent the Braves have they know the Braves can go out do whatever they saw the Braves go out and spend money on Josh Donaldson it was kind of the Phillies more needing to spend money it was what Bryce Harper wanted I mean the market out there was in the you know 280 plus area for Bryce Harper so the Phillies pretty much just went ahead and paid him out of necessity I mean, but I mean I, I agree with you I think it's a horrible contract I would have never paid him that much I'd rather split that kind of contract between two different players, you know, rather than pay that all to one player. I feel like you can get two players that are almost or as good or that have you play the money ball. You play money ball like yeah. Billy Bean and the Athletics do. And listen, 
This is in 2016. He bat 243. He had you know 24 home runs and 86 RBIs. The next year he had 29 home runs, 87 RBIs. He bat 319, which is great. And then in 2018 he had 34 home runs and then squeaked out 100 RBIs, but he bat 249. This is a guy that's an all-star. Yes, he's a perennial all-star, but he is not a $330 million player. If you want to look at a $330 million player, you look at somebody like Mike Trout, who is obviously mm-hmm. worth the money. Uh, he's actually worth $100 million more in terms of uh, technicalities, but this is a guy that's worth that money and worth uh, you know putting yourself in a financial debt to somebody, truly. I mean, this is what the Phillies have done. They've put themselves in a financial debt to somebody, mm-hmm. and I think that this is going to hurt them in the long run. I really do. I think that if you're going to have somebody getting paid $330 million over 10 years, you want to see that average around 300. And I think that it's inexcusable. I, Bryce Harper himself wrapped it up perfectly for us in terms of discussing this topic when asked about the boos in Philly. And he said, I would boo too. So he knows that he's not playing well. And I think that, um, I think it's getting in his head. I mean, it's uh, he's an egotistical maniac, and I think that you know any type of struggle is something that's going to be more of a lasting impact than it is going to be something that he gets over with just playing the game. Because playing the yeah. game for him has become something that is more than just playing the game. He's thinks he's a celebrity now, so I think that that's getting in his head for sure. Yeah, I think he also has a little bit of the pressure of getting the new contract. I know we're trying to move here for the sake of time, but the last thing I want to say is I think that we have to look at Bryce Harper differently as a hitter. I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to come out and hit for 300, hit for 45 home runs, and hit for 120, you know, RBIs or 100 plus RBIs. You know, I feel like that Bryce Harper, we've been knowing about him, we've been following him for so long. You know, he's had all this hype. I feel like that at the end of the day, what Bryce Harper is, is he's a home run hitter that's going to hit about 250. You know, I think that's what we have to accept that that's what Bryce Harper is and I don't think that you know I feel you know do you, do you agree with me though on that I feel like that's kind of what we need to do is more so accept Bryce Harper for the player he is and not try to make him into something already, he's not I think that's what we have already done but the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Phillies they're expecting much more out of this guy because they put 330 million in him and yeah. I think that that's a horrible horrible call and I think that they're going to be stuck with that for a while yeah, so I mean that. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. So basically, I just think the Phillies had had unrealistic expectations. So did the fans. But let's move here now to power play. Um, I think I got the first question in this. So you want to get us going here, Brett? Okay. Yeah. So you ready? You on the clock? Um. Yeah. I just I just pulled the timer out. Let's get it. All right. For the first power play. We're going to go and discuss the Kentucky Derby a little bit. Uh, Maximum security won the race. It was taken away from him, and Mm -hmm. he essentially broke a rule, got disqualified, and the long shot, country home, won the race. 65 to 1. Yeah, 65 to 1. What are your thoughts? Um, honestly, I'm not really a fan of the way that everything went down and was ruled. You know, Maximum Security came out there, won the race. Yeah, he drifted over in the lane a little bit and affected the other horses. But at the end of the day, this is horse racing. And this is having, you know, this is having instant replay, I think, judging too much. This is like them not calling the pass interference call in that Saints-Rams game. You know, I feel like that's almost what it is. It costs a lot of money. It was a big swing. I hated the outcome of it because, I mean, at the end of the day, the favorite led from start to finish and the favorite should have been able to win. So it's just my take on everything i think maximum security was robbed and it was a stupid rule mm. boom also all quick, right quick take it was raining like a lot and it was yeah not very good like ground for horses to run on so that's what i'm saying he's swaying into a lighting it was a little dirty. bit nitpicky but moving forward get it all right um your question here is who's your let's get a little early uh just pga championship talk from you and go okay so First of all, I want Tiger to win, obviously. I really do think he has a good opportunity to win with the way he's been playing with his irons. And my favorite right now is going to be Rory McIlroy. He had seven drives of 240 or 2,400 yards over the weekend. Long, accurate drives are perfect for Beth Page. He might be the winner. Wow, you finished uh, way under your clock right there. You still had about seven seconds left hey, on man, the clock. I'm good. I like that. Brett's ready to roll. All right, uh, next question back to me. Yeah, so 
who's more likely to have a comeback in the Champions League? We saw Liverpool have a dramatic goal in the 85th minute to stay alive. So Liverpool or Tottenham, who has not won it in a long time. Long time coming for him. Well, you would think Liverpool would, but I just can't really see it happening. I mean, the fact they're at home now, Salah's got a concussion. He's going to miss the match. Firmino's going to miss the match as well. You're down your two best goal scorers. I really just don't see it happening, unfortunately, for Liverpool. Uh, I would lean towards the Tottenham side, but I just don't see it happening. They've been letting Ajax um, skip or like have games postponed in league play in the Dutch league. So I feel like Ajax got everything on their side. They're also the highest scoring team in all of Europe. So I got, I, I would say say Tottenham, but I don't see that happening. I think those are the favorites advance at this point, and we get to see a little Barca versus Ajax final. Alright, um, question number... Yeah, no. I, I mean, I Ajax I was not surprised. I picked them to win that match once I saw they had been resting, and once I saw that they were so high scoring, but I mean... This season, it, as a whole, they've been surprising, but mm, let's go. They definitely have. Alright, number four, uh... When do you think Kimbrel or Keiko will be signed? Okay, so this is one I don't know about Keiko. Truly, I don't. But I will say that Craig Kimbrel, I believe, will sign. I think the fact that he hasn't signed yet shows you that he is going to the Braves. I think he is going to sign after the June 1st deadline. I love it. will save the Braves the draft pick that they would have lost. <laughs> they signed beforehand. So I think that he is waiting for that as far as Keiko goes. God knows. Maybe he's just waiting for Kara Kimball to drop. So we'll see. Something to keep an eye out for, for sure, especially with how MLB has had horrible pitching. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. I think both these guys will not be signed until after you can know until after G first. You can't lose your draft pick. So I think that's a good call there. Uh, I'm back on the clock. Another soccer or football question here. Who will win the Premier League, Liverpool or Man City? I know my pick. Um, I'm going to have to go with Man City. I believe they are playing right now. I've not seen the score of that match, but they are down. It's 90. Liverpool is 94 points. They have 92 points right now. Um, I mean, City's got the easier draw. They win this game. They'll be up. They win this match today. They'll be up by a point. Also, that the both the matchups these teams have on Saturday should be easily winnable matches for them. So I just feel like that Man City's got a much easier road. Plus, like I said, Liverpool's two best goal scorers are down. So I'm going to go City right here. And that's my pick as well. For the record, Man City is playing Leicester City right now. Through 22 minutes, it is tied 0-0. So we will keep an eye on that one. And back to me. Let's hit me. Boom. All right. Who's your too early to tell defensive rookie of the year? Too early to tell defensive rookie of the year. There's a lot out there. Um, I'm probably going to go with a Bosa, man. It seems to me... I even hate to say it, but it seems to me that these Bosa's, they know how to play at the next level. It's been a family thing. I think they have all the confidence in the world. It's a right setup for him. I think that he does great this year, and I think it's going to be a very close call, and it could go any, any, really anybody in that top 30. And he's just my pick because it seems like the most obvious choice, uh, minus maybe, you know, Quinn and Williams and... I think Bose is going to be the pick this year. I like it. I could definitely see it happening. I have no idea yet who mine's going to be. Crazy. Maybe jo- yeah, maybe Josh Allen. We'll see, though. We'll see. All right, let's get back on track here, back to the NBA. NBA playoffs, how we'll round like things we out. I like how we broke that up a little bit. Yeah, I know. We had to. We tried to We tried to also throw a little something in the headlines that's not just basketball, even though basketball is what's mostly alive right now. But we got Bucks celtics tonight. And, all right, what I think has got to happen in order for Boston to win this game tonight is we got to see Jason Tatum play better. I mean, he's kind of disappeared. He showed a lot of promise there in that first round. I really felt like that it was him and Kyrie that took them to the next level in that series. But since then, it's Milwaukee has seemed to kind of neutralize them. And realistically, though, I don't think Boston can – can win this series. I I don't even have faith in Boston to win this game tonight. I know I said I like Bucks and Bucks and I uh and four before the, or five before the series started. I just, I mean, you got to feel like Boston can win one of these games at home, but I mean, the way Milwaukee plays is not what Boston wants. Boston wants to have a slow game that's played in their pace. I and mean, we kind of saw it in the first half where Boston was, it proves 
think Boston was up. Yeah, Boston was up one at the half. But after that, Milwaukee in that third quarter just kind of pulled away and then let just whatever go by in the fourth quarter because they were already up so big. But I just feel like Milwaukee plays too fast. I mean, they're the highest scoring team in the league. Boston doesn't want any of this pace. And I mean, even if they can force Giannis to pass the ball, I mean, he only he was eight for 13 last game, but they couldn't stop him. He went to the free throw line and shot 22 free throws. I mean, you can't be doing that. In this particular game, I expect Kyrie Irving to come out really hot. And if he doesn't, we talked about it earlier, I think he's going to drop out of my top five in this playoffs if he does not come out tonight and play really well. He actually struggled from the field last game uh, in a game that was close, seven-point game. He shot eight for 22 with two for eight from three. He did have 29 points, uh, three steals, six assists, and three rebounds. But I think that overall the Celtics just need to give it a little bit more you know, just of that it factor. And I think that it's going to be tough, man. The Bucks are so deep. And the fact that, you know, you lose a game in which Tatum and Kyrie Irving both played pretty decently, uh, 20 and 29, you lose about seven points. I think that I don't, I don't think they win more than two games out of this series. That's just my opinion. I think that they are going to run out of gas a little bit, and Giannis is never going to run out of gas. He is an absolute yeah. tank. And the fact that Giannis is just... I mean, this man is going to go and have a awesome... I'm talking... If it's not this year, I do think he's going to like have a massive playoff run at one point in his career. And I think that this Bucks team is going to make it all the way to the finals. Yeah, see, I was a little worried the Celtics flipped the switch there for a second, but that would mean the Celtics would have to dominate pace of play and everything. But, I mean, after seeing the way Milwaukee came out and responded after winning and getting another win in a row, I mean, this looks like the Milwaukee team we saw in the regular season. They don't have Chris Middleton yet. I mean, not Chris Middleton. They don't have Malcolm Brogdon back in there yet. And I honestly feel like that they're just kind of letting Brogdon chill. They're like, yo, like, we can win this series still without you. You need to rest up. I mean, they feel like they've integrated Miritich better in the way they play, and I always thought Miritich was a great pickup. Um, another thing, too, is Marcus Smart's coming back. I don't really think it makes that much of a difference. Like everyone said, when he was out, the Celtics are so deep as a team, it doesn't make that much of a difference. I look it up the same way. I mean, the Celtics, though, the one way it does favor them is the Celtics need more defense. They need to try to slow the game down. I think we'll see Kyrie walk the ball up the floor. But like you said, Kyrie was 8 for 22 last game. That's not good enough. You need a better performance out of Kyrie. You need to slow the game down, and you need to make them play the game at your pace. You know, it's just kind of like that Philadelphia-Toronto series, which I'll get into later. Depends which way the pace is played. Both those teams in in uh, Philadelphia and Milwaukee, they want to get out and run. They want to play. They want to shoot a lot of threes. They want to play a high scoring game. Boston and Toronto, on the other hand, they want a slow half court game that's dominated by defense. And I mean, I feel like that that's kind of you know Indiana played into their hands there and didn't have anyone that could take over. It's the exact opposite for Milwaukee. And I feel like that you can only contain Milwaukee for so long. Chris Middleton, though, whew, that boy is unstoppable right on, now. On, on fire too. And um, one second. Sorry about that. Um, also, I think the uh, the fact that Kyrie is kind of forcing himself into an offensive times, I think that's mm-hmm. not a good look for the Celtics. He's shooting a lot of shots that he doesn't take his time on, and I think taking the time, to- taking his time, and creating the pace for himself is key for Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. This upcoming game so moving forward for the sake of time we got the Raptors versus the 76ers uh this was a big game yesterday we've already talked about it a good amount I think that this whole series depends on two players health to make this quick 76ers depend on Joel Embiid's health he did not look good last game he looked pretty fatigued I don't know if it's necessarily... Claimed he was sick. Yeah, I don't know if it was one specific injury, but he did not look healthy at all. And the next one up is Pascal Siakam. Did not look good at all with that calf injury. He didn't play well, but he was still on the floor drawing attention away from Kawhi Leonard. So you've got to give him credit for that. I think that the, you know, ability for them to play, or those two players to play healthy is... Very crucial, uh, especially if one of them doesn't play healthy and the other does. I think the the winner will pretty be pretty obvious as far as team goes. 
Yeah, see, I feel like this is the hardest matchup in general to pick. Earlier, I thought it was Portland and Denver, but I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk off that one right now. But I think this is the hardest one to predict, just like you said. I mean, we don't know which Joel Embiid we're gonna get. Are we gonna get 34 and 12 Joel Embiid, or are we gonna get two for seven from the field Joel Embiid? I mean, I don't think him being sick is good enough of an excuse. We've seen my, what Michael Jordan did being sick. You could say, okay, that's MJ. Well, Embiid also said, as he said, I have these sheets, or however you know how his accent is after game two, and he went off in that game and they got the win. Ultimately, Philadelphia has to win through Embiid. I mean, Butler did everything he needed to. He hit some crazy shots even in the fourth quarter. I also think that Tobias Harris has to be better two for 13 from three. I just felt like Philadelphia came out flat and they were never really ready to play. You know, I felt like they felt like they had taken care of the series. Like they were just going to go out there and win and they really just didn't show up. And it was a low scoring game and that's the kind of game that Kawhi Leonard in Toronto wants to play is a low scoring, gritty defensive game. And they balled out and Kawhi put the team on his back in the fourth quarter. But like you said, I think that also Ben Simmons, he played horrible. Minus 16 yeah, he plus really minus didn't play well. 10 points. He needs he, to get back to going inside. And instead of being that pass first type of guy, sometimes he needs to go in there and score. And I think the fact that he didn't even take the ball inside that often at all in this last you know half that he played, I think that that was pretty embarrassing. I think that he does have his hands full on the defensive side, but... He needs to bring it on the offensive side of the ball, and I think that that's one thing that he's really struggled with in his playoff career. See, I think what Philly needs to try to do more so is if Embiid or somebody like that's not playing well, is that they just need to let Embiid, they need to sit down Embiid and try to try that lineup they did that they would use where they would have no big man on the floor against Brooklyn and they would just get out and just straight run. I feel like that's where Simmons can play his best. I feel like Simmons and Embiid don't play well together because both of them need to be inside. You know, like Simmons plays best when he's got his back to the basket and he's looking to pass slash kind of make a little spin move or make some sort of move to shoot a layup, you know, rather than on the other side of things. Embiid plays best, obviously, when he's in the post because when Simmons is down there and Embiid's out on the perimeter and you don't want Embiid out on the perimeter shooting threes, you want him inside where he can bang and dominate. So I really feel like those two guys don't play well together. Yeah, I mean, they're two... I mean, it's hard for Ben Simmons to get inside because Joel Embiid is a tank inside. I mean, he's huge. He's a huge presence inside. So having those two guys that are, you know, both players that are best when they are playing inside the paint. I think that as far as Ben Simmons plays best when he's getting inside of the paint, Joel Embiid plays best when he is actually inside the paint. So a lot of the times it has a little bit of a negative effect, but I do agree with you. I'd like to see that smaller lineup get out and run a little bit because it did seem like even when they ran away with it against the Raptors, they were running a lot. You saw Jimmy Butler had two breakaway dunks that really changed the whole entire momentum of that game. Three, and I think that that is a key for the 76ers. But moving forward to possibly... Wait, 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 wait. One last thing before we move on. What's your final prediction on this series? Ooh, um, like I said, it de- definitely depends on health, but I think that the 76ers are going to be my pick, I believe. Um, I'd love to wow. see Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors win this thing, but I think that the supporting cast around Kawhi Leonard just was not getting it done. Pascal Siakam, unless he has a drastic improvement in health, is only... I don't think he's going to play any better. Uh, So I think that that definitely worries me. If they can keep this defensive outing, uh, you know, like a defensive input, it definitely just depends on Joel Embiid, too, at the same time. But I'm thinking that the 76ers are more healthy in terms of uh, their... I think that Joel Embiid has a better chance of staying healthy. He's also... A little bit more of a dominant player at this point than Pascal Siakam as well. Yeah, I'm actually going to go opposite here from you. I like Toronto to win this series. I mean, I get it that Toronto is a little banged up. Lowry and them haven't played well. But, I mean, they're going to be at home for Game 7. I always got to go the home side Game 7. I think Kawhi Leonard can do enough. I mean, we don't know which MB we're going to get night in and night out. I think the Raptors can keep home court. I want to see the Raptors win. but I I want to see the 76ers, honestly. I also don't trust the Raptors, so... Yeah, that. I don't trust forward, either of these teams. Moving forward, the best series, I think, in this second round, with the exception of maybe Houston Warriors, if they tie it up, the Nuggets versus the Blazers over the weekend, we saw an awesome four-overtime game. Uh, One of the best Rodney games I've Hood, seen. Yeah, period. you had Rodney Hood hit a game-winning three. It was just bizarre. Also awesome. Great game. Fun to watch. This series has been fun to watch. I saw an article about how this was the series that NBA playoff fans needed. 
And mm-hmm. I think that I 100% agree. My pick for this series is going to be the Nuggets because I feel like that four-overtime game is helping. They benefit from that more than it hurts them because this is a Blazers team that, you know, already is lacking in depth inside. You had Ennis Cantor reseparate his shoulder. You don't have Nurkic after that horrific injury at the end of the regular season. And you're also having guards that are having to shovel most of the load and also put the team on their back and you know extended minutes from them hurts them because they have to play probably a seven game series and I think that the facts that the fact that the Nuggets for one have home court advantage and two have more depth and less probably less fatigue by the end of it I think that they are the favorite in this particular series yeah, I got to go with the Nuggets as well. I mean, you could say they might be fatigued from that seven-game series, but I don't know why fatigue would ever be a problem for the Nuggets. I mean, this is the deepest team in the NBA. We've seen all the guys that can play shit. Isaiah Thomas hadn't even played a minute in the playoffs for them yet. That's how deep they are. So I think Denver can still win this series, and I think they will win this series. They got the home court back by winning that one in Portland last night. Um, like I said, probably I'd, I'd playoffs for opinion and joker maul murray seems to be play, taking his game to the next level as well ultimately as long as jokey's injury or whatever happened to his knee at the end of that game was nothing serious i don't i think denver will pull this one out in seven games i mean this has been the most fun series to watch the first one i was looking at them this was the series that i was the least excited to watch i was kind of like oh denver versus portland like it's you know what i mean like i'm not really bad interested in watching this series but every single game has been down to the wire down to the last shot i mean it's been fun for a couple reasons though because, one, you get to see Damian Lillard play like Damian Lillard. Uh, you're always mm-hmm. going to get similar outputs out of him. You're also going to get a similar fire and intensity. Uh, you get to see great guard play in C.J. McCollum. And you also get to see like a player coming to age, to so to speak, in Jamal Murray. And you also have a guy that you don't see a player like Nikola Jokic very often. I mean, you just don't. No. And he's probably the first player we've ever seen. Yeah, like he's it. probably the first of his kind. And I think that being able to see all this in one series, especially in a series that is intense now, once you go four overtimes with a team, I mean, that in itself creates a rivalry, whether you want it mm-hmm. or not. And I think that this series is definitely the one that is going to be the most entertaining for the rest of the series. We even had a four-point game yesterday. I know a lot of throners probably didn't watch it, but it was a, it was an awesome game. And yeah, I, I think, waited to start Game of Thrones till they were over. I was like, "There's no." At first, I was about to throw it on my other TV, and then they cut the they went on the eight zero run, and I was like, "Ah, Game of Thrones can wait. I got to record, and we got to <laughs> watch the end of this." But I mean, I think it's been fun. Like you were saying, all those reasons of watching this series, but also I just enjoyed watching the Nuggets grow as a team this year. This was a team yeah. that I was very high on at the start of the season. Said I thought they'd probably be top four in the West. They they were even better than I mean everybody thought they would. I thought they'd be good, but not this good, but it's been fun watching them grow up in the playoffs. We all thought they wouldn't be a playoff team, and they've really showed up and showed out. I mean, like you said, Jamal Murray was ice cold at the end of that game. They kept fouling him. He was 11 for 11 at the free throw line. I believe he hit like eight or six straight at the very, very, in like the last like minute or so of the game. So, I mean, Jamal Murray iced them out, but this Nuggets team, I mean, Paul Millsap was the only player coming this series with playoff experience. I mean, Millsap's balled out too. He had a plus 12, plus minus yesterday, 21 points, 6 of 10 from the field two or three for three I mean it's Nuggets team man they're gritty and they're really starting mm-hmm. to show it I mean this it's this series is far from over though it's gonna be crazy to see I'm how it I'm saying ends. Nuggets in seven and I'm gonna end it right there uh for me personally if Thomas has anything else to say he's got it the floor is yours I actually have to get out of here and bounce uh we'll try to post this by you know around six or seven tonight before the games and Thomas take it away all right, guys. Well, all Brett's out the door. The last thing I want to say before I kind of close out on this is, I mean, I think Damian Lillard m- might be running out of gas. It almost seems like he has not played very well in this game or even in that four-overtime game. C.J. McCollum kind of has taken over in the last two. So, But at the same time, Damian Lillard is as gritty as a guy as he is. I look for him to find something else in the tank. So, I mean, there's still a lot left to see what happens in this series. We're really going to see what Dame's made of. If he's able to get them, will them into the next round, I mean, it's just going to be something crazy. 
crazy. But the thing I love about the Blazers in this series is the Blazers have found the ability to get other guys involved. It used to be McCollum and Lillard, like, nah, we're shooting it. But I feel like they trust the rest of their teammates. Canner and Hood have been giving them great points and, you know, just great contributions for, from those guys on both ends of the floor. So I like how this team plays so hard together. I mean, even the guys not scoring, like Harkless, like uh, Aminu, even though they're not scoring a lot of points, these guys are giving them a lot of defense, lots of rebounds. I mean, they mean so much to this team. But that's all I got for you guys once again today. Um, this pretty much I'm ready to end it right here. Um, got really nothing else to say, but I appreciate everyone tuning in once again. Um, we've got another podcast coming to y'all. We got big things coming this week. So, Brett, any last words? Tigers back and LeBron James and Zion Williamson. We can't ever forget that. Good yeah, time. we almost forgot. I even almost forgot, man. So, <laughs> good that you pointed that out, but we'll see you guys again this week. Boom. All right, I know you're out the door. Text me when you have a chance to edit it. And you can text me. Hold up, hold up, hold up.